Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 302 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. And today I actually get to bring on a guest, a listener of the show who I happened to cross paths with serendipitously. We will get to that story in a minute, but we're going to be talking about her big running goal and what are the steps she needs to take to get there. So we're bringing on my new friend and listener of the show, Brooke Lubojoski. Excited to have her join us to talk about her big running goals as I've done that for others on the podcast through the years. Before we get there, I have to quickly mention two things. One, thanks to my sponsors for this episode, BetterHelp as well as Care Of. BetterHelp is a relatively new partner. Care Of is now a long-term partner. I use both and I'll have offers for each in the middle of the episode, so stay tuned for that. Secondly, I have to get a shout, give a shout out to my friend, Kara Goucher, and my new friend, Des Linden, who have just launched a podcast, Nobody Asked Us, with Des and Kara. I've been working to help them on the back end to get that launched with editing and sound advice and helping get it set up on iTunes and things like that. So go check it out. Highly recommend. Three episodes are already out. Their rapport is amazing, so go check it wherever you listen to podcasts. Nobody asked us with Des and Kara. It's awesome, so go give it a listen. All right, let's jump in with Brooke. We're going to talk all about how we met and her backstory and her goals as a part of the conversation, so we're going to jump right in. Here we go with Brooke. Welcome, Brooke, to the Running Rogue podcast. Brooke, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Good to have you. I was just in Houston, and so it was in your neck of the woods. We we didn't get to connect there, but we're connecting now and ready to go deep on your running journey. So excited about that! Thanks for coming on and being willing to share. Thank you. I'm I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Um, uh, we'll see what what we can piece together for my goal <laughs> and. Um, Yeah. First, we have to talk about how you got here because Uh, it was a bit serendipitous that this connection was even made. So tell us the story about how you got connected to me. Yeah. um, I was on the plane to Indianapolis for the the Indy Monumental, I think it's what it's called, in November. And I left, flew out from Houston, landed in Austin had a seat next to me that was empty and I was very excited about that. And, um, a man comes on the plane and he sits down next to me. It's like, okay, fine. Someone has to sit next to me. Well, I guess he noticed I had on a running watch and he said, are you flying to Indy for the race? And I said, yes, I am. And kind of started talking about that. Turned out he was a coach and his name was James Dodds. And, uh, he actually used to date, one of my best friend's college roommates. So we started talking, piecing it all together, tons of mutual friends. Um, and then the mutual friend is actually Danielle uh, Johnson. She's one of my very best friends. She's not currently running with Rogue, I don't think, but at one point was a very dedicated Rogue runner. Um, and so he knows her very well. And we just started talking about running and I told him, what had led up in my training block for Indy that I'd had some things come up at the end, just life stuff. And, but I'd recently listened to a podcast 
talking about reframing success and how I was taking that with me into this race to kind of make me feel better about what the outcome might be. And it was you. <laughs> he goes, well, that's actually, I work with Rogue. He's one of my best friends. He's going to be there. Would you like to come to the after party? We can, you know, we'll have all the, our athletes there. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. So it was just such a small world. Um, one that he sat next to me and we have all these pre-running connections and and now I'm here talking to you. <laughs> so yeah. here you are for better or for worse. So, <laughs> yes, that was episode 293. Of course, James was just on with me episode yeah. 300. So everybody should know James by this point, if you've listened. So, so yeah, here we are. You came to our post party, fit right in. We yeah. got to watch the Longhorns. Longhorns. Win yeah, and and the Astros, Astros yeah. take care of business to win the World Series, and inevitably goals came up because I can't quite turn off my coaching hat, and so we started talking a little bit about your goals and what those could look like. You were willing to share, and so since that conversation, because you know you have some pretty big goals, which I always appreciate, and it makes me want to lean in. We we connected on Instagram, been following you, was going to be in Houston, invited you to our event there, but said, hey, we got to come on. We got to talk about this goal because it's a goal that I get a fair amount because people talk about round numbers in this sport and we won't talk about what the goal is yet, but they talk about round numbers. There's certain round numbers that people want to hit. And so I get it a fair amount. I've had other episodes talking about other round numbers. And so we we're like, well, all right, we got to cover up on this round number <laughs> goal and see what we can do to talk about how to get there. Because I think your story will not only inspire others, but also help others figure out a blueprint to get there. So here we are. And I'm so happy that you were willing to do this. I know it's scary and feels... It, it is scary because it's one thing to write a goal down especially a big goal like this down in a journal or tell your mom or your spouse or someone who's going to tell you you did a good job regardless if you get it or not. It's another thing to say it in a very public space. Like <laughs> right. you're accountable to it and people know. And yep. yeah. So, but that's also a good thing because yep. then you got to do it. That's or you right. got to put in the work and try. So that's right. Here I am. <laughs> That's right. And I will tell you, as someone who's had on many guests who have talked about their goals, people always ask me about them in the most loving and hopeful way. How is so-and-so doing? Uh, and and so now you'll be you'll be on that list. Those people. Oh. <laughs> it's not pressure, it's I support. <laughs> it's all love. It's all love. All right. So we'll get to the goal in a minute, but I want to talk about your journey first. Tell me a little bit about your running journey. Let's start from the beginning in sport and running. Where did it begin for you? Um, I grew up playing softball and volleyball, so not running. Uh, but then when I went to college, UT, I was there from 03 to 07, needed something, um, an outlet exercise to to do and keep me in shape. And I like, I like to exercise. I like to be active. So I turned to running and would go to Town Lake. I know I think it's Ladybird Lake now, but it will always be Town Lake to me. Yep. 
so just would run there in college. And then through those years, I, I used that as my form of exercise to varying levels of commitment throughout the years. Um, some 10Ks there and here and there, cap 10K, a half marathon. Um, just off and on, there were points where I wasn't running at all. I would do orange theory or some other type of exercise, but I always came back to it. Um, what brought you back to it always? Goal setting. I like, I like goal setting. I think I'm a pretty driven person. I like setting a goal, achieving it, and then moving on to the next goal. Um, in other forms of exercise, for instance, like orange theory, not to knock it. It's a great, a great thing to do, but you're, you're just, you're showing up for a class. Okay. You do your class that day and then you show up tomorrow, but with running, there are very clear goals that you can set and you can see, does that make sense? You can see your progress. And I, and I like that. It's also just where I zone out. It's where I do my best thinking, my best planning, or just not thinking at all, depending on what I need that day. So, um, it's a therapeutic thing for me. Um, but so I always came back to running, um, and, and found that I could pick it up fairly easily, no matter how much time I'd taken off. Um, so lucky in that, in that aspect that I do like it. I know there's people out there who don't like running, who, who have to learn to like it. I've always enjoyed it probably more for the mental aspect of it. Uh, just head clearing. Um, but what got me into probably marathons, I was pregnant in 2015 with our first and Danielle Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, she was signed up for the Chicago Fool in 2016 uh, in October. And I talked to her and she was trying to qualify for Boston. So we were obviously on two very different levels. And um, I told her, I think I'm going to sign up. It'll be a good goal to have after the baby will force me to have some me time, um, will force me to get back out there and, and get active again. And um, I'm going to sign up and we'll do it. Obviously not run together, but be in Chicago together. Um, well, as, as newborns do, nobody anticipates the impact that's going to have on your life. Right. Especially even with if, that first. Yeah, <laughs> even if they eat well, even if they eat well, sleep well, all those things, it still is, is just, you know, it shakes your world up. So I had our first baby in February and trained for the marathon. And I remember we were on the plane, my husband and I, and I looked at him and I said, I have something to tell you. And he goes, what? And I said, I've only done nine miles in my preparation for this. (laughs) And that wasn't recent. That was a few weeks ago. And he goes, wait, what? (laughs) Furthest I've done for this is nine miles. Oh my goodness. And he goes, Brooke, you don't have to do this. Like <laughs> you, we can go to Chicago and eat really well and drink wine and sleep in and, and cheer for Daniel at the race. You don't have to do this. I said, no, I, I said I was going to do it. So I'm going to do it. Whether I walk or whether I crawl, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. It's like, okay, well, I did it. <laughs> I would not recommend it. I crawled across the finish line. It hurt. I finished in 515. And 
just not strong, did not look good coming across the finish line. But when I finished, I told him I want to do that again, but I want to do it better prepared and I want another shot at this. But we proceeded to have two more kids before we get to the three children. Yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. zoom back in on the end of that race. So yeah. what was so I would imagine you were walking most most I of hit, the end of that race. I hit the halfway mark and I was like, Okay, you got this. You can do this. This is this is pretty good. You're hanging on, like you're doing okay. About a mile after that, the wheels fell off. And I remember thinking this is bad. This is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I was hobbling along and I think it was about mile 19. This woman walks up next to me and she actually has had the same name as my mother-in-law, Lou. And I thought, oh, this, I need you right now. Someone, someone saw that I needed you. And she would, she ran, walked the rest of the race with me and like talked to me through it. Nice. And, um, yeah, I haven't spoken to her since, but she got me to the to the finish line that day. And I just remember hobbling. I couldn't walk that night. I couldn't walk the next day. It zero stars. <laughs> Would <Yeah>. not recommend. <laughs> so, but you, you know, but there was two options there, right? When you get in that situation, there's the I'll never do that again. That was the worst thing in my life. I don't ever want to put myself into that situation. And then then the other option, which is I want, I want more. I want to do this. I want to do it the right way. Right. So yeah. you, you chose the other the yeah. second option there in time, right? I know there were some kids and stuff involved in between, but what was driving you in that moment? And then afterwards to, to choose the path of, I want this again. I, I remember after Chicago, after the race, seeing all these people finish and they looked happy they looked proud. Um, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel that way. I just felt glad to be done. Yep. And I thought, I want to do this and feel that way and feel at the end that I really, I really gave this my all and put in the time and saw what I could do. Cause I knew that that wasn't a representation of what I could really do. Um, and I wanted that feeling. I wanted to feel like I crossed that finish line and felt strong and felt like I had put in the work and really earned it. When I finished Chicago, I felt like, yeah, you finished, but you didn't really earn this. You, this wasn't, this wasn't what your full potential is. And so I had this picture, Heath took it after the race. And I remember thinking in that picture, I'm going to do this again. And I want to see actually what the end of a race that you trained for and you earned feels and looks like. And so, yeah, that that's, so that's how I got here. <laughs> so the, the fire was lit. Yeah. In yeah. that moment through a tough day, which I think is cool. So kids, couple other pregnancies, Talk about that just for a minute. I know this isn't our topic for the day, but one of the things I see as a coach is a lot of women have children and then come back really strong in training. But there's also a period where you're navigating a lot of uncertainty with your life, with your schedule, with your routine, with your body. How was that for you through pregnancy and then coming back? Um, so then 
uh, we had Ellis in 2016 and then had Cole in November of 2017. So it's 20, there's like 20 and a half months between them. Um, he actually had a heart defect when he was born. So we dealt with that, went through that with him. Um, I ran here and there through that as an outlet just to get out of the house and, um, kind of be by myself through, through that. I did walk through my pregnancies. I didn't really run too much. I know there are women who are able to run throughout the entire time. I'm not one of them. I didn't feel comfortable. didn't feel good. Um, so I would run probably through the first trimester and then, then walk the rest of the time. Um, but as soon as my doctor cleared me each time at that six week mark, I was back out there trying to run and, and trying to get back to it. And that is just like every time, you know, you know, you're going to be slower. You know, you're going to feel differently. You know, your body is, is going to just not feel like itself, but every time it's still, it's kind of a, a blow to the ego. Like you forgot, <laughs> oh yeah, I can't do that just yet. Right. And the first run, the first run, it's not the first run where you realize that the first run, you're just happy to be out there. <laughs> the second and third run, you're like, mm. oh, yeah, kind of sore from the first run back. And, um, and, and it doesn't always come back as quickly, but I am proud that I'm strong. I'm faster now than I was before kids. And I think that happens for a lot of women, which I think is interesting. Um, yep. So, yeah, so then had um, Cole and Collins. She was born in 2019, and I hadn't really done much running races and things in between during all of that with the kids. But during COVID, when we were all locked up together, I got a little bit more focused on it and decided I wanted to get back to it. It was a way... It was a way to get out of the house. I realized the further I run, the more alone time I get. So I just kept adding miles on. Signed up for a, a turkey trot, a local turkey trot here in Sugarland where I live. And then signed up for a half marathon, the Bluebell half marathon in Brenham. And after I did that, I thought, okay, I'm ready to do a marathon again. I want to try that. Um, all our kids are sleeping through the night. Like, I think I can manage that now. And um, that's when I ran, I ran Houston in 2022 and uh, managed a 138 and qualified for Boston, which was my goal. And 338. One, oh, sorry. Yeah, 338. No, <laughs> I wish. I'm sorry. There. sorry, not 338. <laughs> it was 334. 334. Okay, yeah. cool. um, so that was your, but that was only your second marathon. Yes. 334. So what was the, describe to us the difference in your training approach between the 515 nine mile max and the 334? Well, I had a real plan. I had a coach. Um, I made it a priority that every, that I worked with Heath, my husband, he works in sales. So he has kind of a weird schedule. He can leave super early in the morning for work, or he could be home super late. He does some traveling. So I have the best, most supportive marathon husband. Usually on Sundays, I'm like, what do you have this week? And he'll tell me, I'm like, okay, well, then once I know what his schedule looks like, I can kind of plan how I'm going to fit my runs in there. 
it's not ideal. I know it'd be better if I could run every day in the morning. So I have that big chunk of rest between some days I'm running at eight at night. And then the next morning I'm getting up and running at six in the morning, but he, we make it, we make it work. I think he thought after Houston, when I qualified for Boston, because that was such a big goal for me, he thought, okay, we're done. <laughs> He's finished. I'm like, oh no, this is just, just getting started. Just got a taste of what, of, of what I hope I can do. Um, so now he's like, okay, yeah. well, we're all in. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. yeah. I remember when my wife, Amy, at one point asked me, are we going to be doing long runs every Saturday for the rest of our lives? <laughs> I'm like, like, I hadn't ever thought about it that way, but maybe. <laughs> so. As long as my body will let me, this I think is my thing. And yeah, now for Christmas, like it's socks in my sock stocking and <laughs> nice. shoes. He's slowly accepted it. Like, <laughs> so I would imagine your volume looked a little bit different building into that three thirty four than yes. the nine mile peak you had for yeah. Chicago. Yeah, um, I realized the time commitment's greater. I I really made sure I carved out the time for those runs, which and my kids were were older. I figured out the parenting thing a little bit better, more confident in that aspect of my life was okay. Asking for help for a babysitter. Um, there's probably people who think that who are not runners who think it's crazy, but if I needed to run and I didn't have childcare, I had, I would have no problem calling a babysitter to come watch my kids so I can go, go run. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's what's the difference between that and calling a babysitter to right. go to dinner or, right other thing. That's, that's my, what I enjoy. So, um, I remember I've told someone that before and they kind of gave me a funny look like, right. Yeah. Um, well, how do you, so, I mean, but it raises an interesting point, the bigger theme there being the mom guilt or you mean any parent's guilt of taking time away from their kid for their own quote, selfish pursuit. So how does that manifest in you? How do you think about it? How do you Deal with the mom guilt. Uh, this and this might sound cheesy, but the whole airplane thing—put the mask on you before you put the mask on the person next to you. I am a nicer, more patient mom and wife when I get to do when I get to run. And like I said, Heath is so supportive; he understands that. He'll he'll text me on his way home. I'm this many minutes out. If you want to go ahead and start getting your shoes on, so you can hit the door right when I get there and not take 30 minutes to get out the door. Um, but I'm, I'm a better, I'm a, I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife when I, when I do those things. Um, and whether it's running or whatever it is, you have to make sure you have something outside of your home and outside of your kids. That's an outlet for you. Uh, cause they are consuming. They're wonderful. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right best things I've ever done but uh yeah I've just I've realized it's okay to have this outside of them and you're better for it they're better for it too yeah yep well and they'll get to see you achieve big goals and that'll be inspiring hopefully to them in whatever form you know yeah because my youngest Collins she loves to play baby dolls and has a stroller and she'll go She'll put them in a stroller because sometimes I run with her in the stroller and she'll go, oh, I need to go for a run. 
And uh, so they are watching. That's awesome. They're watching. And El- my, yep. they all, Ellis will get on her bike, sometimes my oldest sometimes, and, and go with me. She's gone nine miles on her bike. She's six. So I think that's pretty cool. And she'll put a speaker in her um, in her basket, and I'll let her control the music while we go. Uh, but they know mom runs. They think they think I'm like the fastest out there, that, like the, like Olympian level. And I have not corrected them. I'm gonna ride <laughs> as long as I can. Um, although I Ellis did go to a half marathon once and asked me what took me so long and why people so many people <laughs> before. Me. Come on, mom. Yeah. That That's hilarious. But, um, How old are they now, just for context? Um, our oldest is almost seven, and then five and three. Seven, yeah. five, and three. You're still, you're still in the the throes of teenager and yes. toddler with that. That so that's still a very challenging phase of parenting, in my experience. Yeah, yeah, and now they're getting they're getting involved in things, and so with the running, for instance, as you know their activities are usually Saturday mornings. And so I've got to make sure I'm up earlier to get my run. Or if you have a race, like I'm going to do Bluebell again in Brenham um, coming up in March. And there's probably going to be a T-ball game or something that day that I'm going to either miss or have to rush back for. And that is where some guilt starts to set in, like missing actual things to go run. Like, really? Is that, is that okay? Um, but it, I don't know. I'm still dealing with that one. <laughs> well, it is okay, but that's where the teamwork has to come in. Yeah. Yeah. So you ran Houston pretty much a year ago, right? We just came off Houston this yeah. weekend, got your first Boston qualifier, almost yeah. an hour and 45 minute improvement from one marathon yeah. to the next. Yeah. Results not typical, but that's pretty amazing. That must have felt really good. Oh, it felt it was amazing. I I saw my family. I think at about mile eighteen, and um, I started high, kind of had a hyperventilating feeling. I wanted to stop and hug him, and Heath was like, "Go, do not stop, keep going." <laughs> right. um, and it was that was that boost. And then when I crossed the line, I saw them over to the side, and. I was, it was cold. So I kind of lost my voice, but I was yelling, I did it. I did it. I, I qualified. And it was, I can't, I can't even describe that feeling that day. Like it was the best. Um, was that the plan going in to try to qualify? Did you feel like you could do it? My goal. That, that was my goal was I wanted to qualify. Um, and at the time it felt kind of like a dumb like a, a dumb goal because after Chicago 515, I was like, how, like, you don't have room to be making this kind of goal. But as I was doing work throughout the block and kind of seeing where I was, I was like, you know what, you could do this. This is attainable. I got COVID over Christmas, just like everyone else that year. And um, actually I got it from my husband <laughs> and he was like, yeah, oh, got COVID for me, all I could think was, Please don't let this wreck her race. Wreck her race. <laughs> right. She's never going to let me hear the end of it after that. Um, so I didn't know because I still had a lingering cough. I was like, okay, I have pre-COVID goal, post-COVID goal. So kind of like two goals. Um, and I ended up getting it. So 
it was just the best feeling. And now I'm just chasing that for the rest of my life. <laughs> and what was your qualifier? Was it 335? 335. And okay. I ran 334, 36. <laughs> nice. So when I was, I was like, this last, you know, that last little stretch, just I looked at my watch and I started crying. So I'm like, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Yep. And everything starts cramping up, as you know. And I was like, oh, and then I crossed the line. And I looked at my watch. And I was like, okay, if, if everything aligns with <laughs> chip and watch, then you should be good and get my phone out, start looking. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. There are a few feelings like it for the everyday athlete, right? I mean, that's yeah. one of the pinnacles for our sport. Yes. Probably sport wise. And I've, I played sports growing up. That beats them all. Like it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> So that must have been a very different finish line feeling yes. <laughs> in Chicago. I could, I mean, I'm still, you're still hobbling, but right. you're hobbling happily, not feeling completely deflated and like, oh, I could have put in so much more. It is a completely different feeling to know I actually, I gave this everything I had and I got to see what, what I could do. Okay, before we hear about the next chapter, I want to talk about my first sponsor for the episode, Care Of, now a multi-year partner of mine, and I use them myself every day. I love their subscription service because it makes it super easy to take what I need and not forget as someone who has been forgetful about these things in, a pa in the past. I also don't have to worry about reordering because it always just shows up on time. We're in January. It's that time of year where you want to naturally think about and start new habits, perhaps have resolutions. So I encourage you to consider care of as a part of that. You can go to their website, take their quiz, enter your goals for the year that might relate to those resolutions, and they will give you an output that tells you recommended items that can support that from their vitamins and supplements available on their site. They'll give you all the research associated with everything. They will give you the ingredients, so you can then make decisions on how to assemble your packs in order to have everything you need. You can also add other things that may not have come up after the quiz into the pack. And then they send it to you. You get a box each month that has your daily packs. They're made with a compostable film so that if you're worried about the environmental impact, you can compost those things as well. And that's it. Then you don't have to think about it. It shows up, you take it and you get on your way to reaching your performance goals. So highly recommend Care Of. For 50% off your first order, go to takecareof.com, enter the code ROGUE50 at checkout to take advantage of that deal. Again, that's takecareof.com, code ROGUE50, R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off. Go check it out. Okay, back to my conversation with Brooke. So you must have been... I can imagine just thinking of beating the world at that point. You must be thinking, okay, I'm going to do this again. We're going to go to Indy. I'm going to run, you know, another hour and a half faster or yes, yes, 10 minutes, exactly. whatever. You must have been thinking was, way ahead. Yeah. I'm like thinking I'm ready to work. Let's do this. I'm, I'm like looking at races, like which one's next? What are we going to sign up for next? Picked Indy, flat course, thought about family stuff going on, summertime, um, vacations and things. I'm like, okay, Indy looks good. It's flat. It's another good BQ course. Because at this point, um, I didn't think I was going to get into Boston because my buffer 
number of seconds, right? Right. Um, so I was thinking, let's improve that time to help for 2023. Um, so looking at flat, fast courses, saw Indy, then it turned out Indy wouldn't actually get you into 2023. And I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. Like, right. well, I'll, I'll just try for 2024. And then we got news that everyone got in for 2023. So there's more tears there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, you're going to be there this year. You're going to be there. Check, yeah. Right. But for Indy, I was like, I'm going to do this even faster. Cause like you said, I mean, to go from five fifteen to three thirty-four, I was like, wow. I mean, I, you get in your mind that you're going to improve like that every time, you right. know? And then Indy, the weather was terrible. I had kind of a crappy end to my training block as I was telling James on the plane life stuff came up, just kids and, and things like that. Probably also lost some mojo, just, um, yeah, I lost some motivation here and there. Didn't make all my long runs like I should have. Um, and then I ran 335, so a little bit slower. But still yeah. for the day in India, I was... With, yeah, with 20-plus mile-an-hour headwinds for yeah, the last half. I kind of was like, you know what? Versus perfect goes, Houston conditions. Yeah, exactly. And this goes with your reframing success that I listened to religiously before that race. I was, I might have actually been more proud after that race than boss than than Houston because of the conditions and because of missing some long runs going in and not feeling confident um, at all. So you know, it just goes to show. The, the PR is sometimes not necessarily the one that really you're most proud of. Like right. I think about that, that course and how I felt along it and the weather and everything. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking I'm more proud of the mental toughness you showed there than in Houston. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't just overcoming the doubts that you had going in and, yeah. and actually doing that work to reframe, reframe success in a positive way. But then facing those conditions, I mean, I was there, I ran the half, only had to face the headwind for four miles. You had to face it for 13. It was ridiculous and a little warmer than you would like for a yeah. marathon and a little yeah. and raining and slippery and i mean i thought india was like the, the, everyone told us or told me it was going to be comparable to houston january weather right and it was not it was terrible it was terrible which yeah. is you know a rare day in indy so i don't right. think it's you know a bad race a I bad choice no, but, no, yeah no. i would definitely do indy again the course the course is lovely The the people cheering along the course, there's lots of support. It's flat. Um, I could see how on a good weather day, some really great things could happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, in my coaching math brain was equating it to, you know, eight to 10 minutes faster, you know, on a good weather day, if the wind hadn't been the way it was and the warmer temps. So, you know, that race in many ways is, is better than yeah. Houston. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you can be proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't need an asterisk, but, but yeah, there's context and context matters. And yeah. I can tell you that as I've said on this podcast, I'm really proud of a lot of my races that weren't my personal best, including my personal worst time where I had to walk the last five miles of Boston because 
in all of those situations, I knew I gave everything I had and that's all you can really ask. And so there's ways to be proud without getting the shiny PR every time. Yeah. And it was a good lesson for me in that because it was only, it's only my third marathon. So I am new to this. Um, you're not all, but I had this mindset after coming from Houston, I'm just going to get better every time, every single time I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to get better every time. And one, I didn't, uh, but I also learned you can, there's, there's something to be proud of in that. And there's something to learn from that. And we just take it and move on to the next and use yes. that moving forward. So. Yeah. And growing your foundation through training is linear and upward. If you're consistent. Yeah. Results aren't always linear and upward. And I think oftentimes we struggle with the disconnect between those two things because you know, chip time hits different than, oh, I've done all these things in training that I know are additive, but I didn't see the results. Yeah. Okay. So after that race, we were chatting at our post party. I asked you what your goals were, pushed you a little bit on it. You did. Cause I didn't want to say it. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I knew. I don't even remember exactly how this, but I knew I, the only thing I remember is sensing that you weren't saying it, yeah. I was asking what you want and you were saying things that all sounded like, you know, good things to say, but as a coach, you know, I have the spidey sense of, oh, I'm not getting the full authentic truth here. Not that you were being fake about it, but just, you, you weren't showing me all your cards. Understandably, you just met me. We were talking, you know, in a sports bar, watching the Astros and yeah. So I understand why you were hesitant, but I pushed and you were willing to share. So what did you tell me? I would like to run a sub three marathon. And Heath, my husband gets on, does not like when I say this, but it's hard to say that because I have friends who are much faster than I am, like much faster than I am. And that is their goal that they are pursuing and working toward every day and not, not getting, and they keep working. And so it's one of those things. It's like, if that's their goal, how dare it be my goal? Cause I'm not as fast as them. He'll go, stop looking for sympathy. You're not going to get it here. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do it, go do it. <laughs> he, yeah. Heath, Heath can be bad cop. I'll be good cop. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, uh, he is like, you have the work ethic. You just stop saying that. If you want to do it, um, then work for it and do it. But it is, it's hard to say that I want to run a sub three when I have friends who are faster than me who are working for that and haven't gotten it yet. But that is my goal. So Love it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I know that's hard in this public <laughs> forum, but yeah. I want to First, before we dig into trying to get that goal, because ultimately I want to help you figure out how to get there, is I want to talk about both sides of that coin of admitting that you want that goal. One side of the coin is the side, which is I want this and I want it for a reason. And at some level, I believe it's possible. So for that part of the equation, where does it come from? Why do you want it? Why do you believe it's possible? Um, what? Well, first off, I'm not sure I really believe it's possible yet. I just know I want it. Okay. Uh, 
Why do you want it then? Well, hmm. I think I'll, well, I think I'll feel like a real runner as dumb as that sounds. Does that, that sounds dumb, right? That does. It doesn't sound dumb. Nothing is dumb um, in this discussion. Nothing is dumb. Uh, but you're, so why don't you feel like a real runner would be the next question because I mean I Boston is a standard by which many judge right these things but that's even well beyond what well very well beyond the definition I would put on being a runner right it's insane like I tell people all the time that this pace doesn't matter I think cuz I want to be fast and to me that is fa- that is fast and then, of course, but whenever I set the goal for Boston, I was like, that's fast. And then I met it and I was like, oh, no, this isn't fast. <laughs> this, the next thing is fast. Um, okay. Can we acknowledge for a minute, just for those listening, that there <laughs> is no such thing as slow, only degrees no. of fast. And you not. are a very fast degree of fast already, right? But here's the thing that I want to point out here, because it's important because as someone who personally has run two hours and 45 minutes in the marathon, someone in you who has run 334, there's always faster, not only people that are faster than you, but also things you want that are faster than you. Mm-hmm. And I would say that most of us struggle with this in one form or another, not thinking we're fast when we're all fast if we're doing it. And it's hard, but it's hard to embrace that. Yeah. Um, so I guess it just never feels like you reach that goal and you're, it's like, I could do better. I, there's always, there's always room for improvement. And. But me, I don't see you as someone that's seeking a label or validation from others that would say, is, Hey, okay. I want people to think Brooke is fast. Like that's not no, what you're looking for. No, this is for, this is for me. Okay. Um, So then why, why do you want it for you? What does it mean to you to be able to feel like you've hit that threshold that you're fast enough for you? So I, being a stay at home mom, uh, I'm not, I'm not currently working. I stay home with my kids. I was um, a nurse before this and there's part of me that probably thinks I'm not just a mom. This is also, I, I can do this too. Mm-hmm. And not that raising your children is not important. It is. It's like the hardest job I've ever had. The most important job I've had, but this is outside of them. And this is for me. And this is solely for me that I work on for me that and this is sounding selfish. I'm sure I'm saying lots of me's. Nobody's labeling. You're judging, not me. That's probably why it's so important to me because this is mine outside of everything else in my life. Um, And like I said, I'm not working outside the home right now. So I don't, and I am a goal driven person. So this is where all that energy is being focused right now which I can appreciate. I'm going to keep pushing a little bit (laughs) because just like 
you know, people come to me all the time and they say, I like running because it's a stress reliever and it's time with friends. All that stuff is valid. Yes. All that stuff are, are all of those things are reasons to run and they're a part of my story too. But there's a difference between wanting to run for stress relief or to have community between doing it and doing the activity and finding those things and wanting something like three hours in the marathon. Yes. That is a very specific goal. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you could in theory prove that at 315 or 320. Yeah. Why is it that three hours sticks in your head? Well, I do like whole, I do like that round number. <laughs> round numbers. I do. I do like that round number. Um, I don't know why that number in particular, to me, it just stands out. It stands out in my head that I would, I, I, I don't, I don't know. And, and I may not ever get there. It's going to take a long time to shave off that many minutes. Um, I don't know. You did an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> in one go. I mean, who knows? <laughs> let's not, <laughs> let's not put timelines on it yet. I don't know what it is about that number. Just for some reason, that one stands out to me. Maybe from maybe from looking at other people, people that I think I, I would like to be like as a runner. I look at them and they they work hard and they are fast and um, make it look so effortless. Maybe that's why a little bit of of that. Well, I, I would submit that. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to have a, a perfect reason. I don't have a perfect reason for thinking I can run two hours and 40 minutes. And that's a number that's been with me as long as I've been running. But it is something that I've always felt intuitively, for whatever reason, was the right balance of really hard, but also attainable. Yeah. So there's always been a part of me that believes it's possible. And I think that's important with any goal is that it's, it feels at some level attainable. And so I would submit that whatever is driving you from to, you know, for your intuition on this is telling you that that's attainable. It, it, the fact that it's in your head, that's a number you want is a sign that you believe at some level that it's possible. And that may be a little small percentage at this stage it may be small but but i think it's there and the only reason i want to call it out is because it's important to latch onto that voice and let that voice grow because it's there it's you tiny. wouldn't have told me the number yeah it's tiny but it is there it's tiny but it is there and and so giving space for that voice to grow is an important part of this and also making sure that you silence the other voice and make it smaller mm -hmm. because the doubts are going to come. You can't get rid of them, but you can definitely change the mix. Right. So that is something from a mental standpoint we can talk about. And then I still want to put, I want you to put a finer point on the why, because I, I'm, a, as you know, listening to me, I'm a big believer in understanding purpose. And so really crystallizing why you want this part of what I'm hearing is that you, well, not, but yes, part of what I'm hearing is that you want it for you. Intrinsic motivation is, as science tells us, is more 
powerful than extrinsic motivation. So that's a good thing to latch on to. You want it for you. But I still think understanding why you want it for you is important. Is it about proving your worth to yourself? Is it about proving that you can do a big thing if you put your mind to it? What is it about for you? Um, having, gosh, sticking with something long enough to see it through, no matter how long this takes to hit, hit that goal, sticking with it long enough and having the, the stamina, I guess, to, to see it through. Even if, even if I don't ever get it, but to stay the course, I guess, um, that's important to me. Proving to yourself that the hard work that I will pay off, that you can do it, that I can stay, stay the course and not, and not go, yeah, I'm going to move on to something else. Yeah. So important. So then it's really important that we memorialize this forever on the podcast and webs. So now, now you've got constant reminder of that, Uh, but (laughs) we don't have to solve the exact words now, but I do want these thoughts turning in your head. And I do think one of the things, as I mentioned, the mental side of this equation is as important as the physical is I would do some homework and write down, you know, I want sub three because finish that sentence. Start with a rough draft, write something that intuitively sounds right, post it somewhere, kind of try it on for size, let it marinate, adjust it over time as your as your relationship with that thought process adjusts. But then once you get it feeling like really good, like that's that captures it, then that becomes true north, right? That's the thing you go back to when chaos is raining with your schedule, when injuries pop up, when you have near misses, when you don't get the progress in a race that you wanted, you know, that becomes the thing that keeps you going. So, and relatedly, I also believe, as I talked about in my last episode, related to my own insecurities relative to my big goal, is that we also have to, through positive affirmation, lift up that, that believer voice inside of us. You know, that 1% maybe only that knows you can do this. We have to give it power by having some positive affirmation that you can also look at, say out loud to yourself. It might be for you as simple as I am fast. Owning that title. And, And maybe this evolves over time too as you start to program our brain. But I think we often under estimate how powerful our negative thoughts are. Mm-hmm. And in order to silence those, they're never going to go away, but in order to silence them more, give bigger space for positive thoughts, we have to program our brain by telling it good things. So I am fast, own it. Yeah. Um, I, Cause I've noticed when you let the negative start to creep in, that's when you start to make excuses for, oh, I can miss today. 
today right. I can today I can skip or you know you're not, yeah little, you're not going to get it anyway you might as well yeah, skip today yeah um this I'm gonna just do three intervals instead of four or I'm not hitting these times so why am I let, let's just slow down and and actually and hit sometimes you know you can get you know um and and that there's definitely right now about this goal there's more in my head that's saying no you probably are never gonna be able to do this that's a little louder than the, than yeah. the yes for sure yeah um, it's not going away but we got to work on it i gotta work on that yeah one of the things just the affirmations that i've created after putting accountability on myself from the last episode, if you listen to it, is an affirmation or mantra of sorts for life that for my training, that is just simply be willing to do the work, be willing to do the work because I'm a hard worker. I set goals. I achieve them. I've been doing that all my life but there are times related to where I'm at with this goal now where I haven't been willing to do the work because I think a, a little bit of those, those negative voices, those demons saying, Oh, you're not going to get it anyway. Why do it? Right. It's not worth it. Cause if you, if you put in the work and don't achieve it, it actually hurts more. If you can say, well, you know, I, I life got in the way. Life right, got in the way right. and I didn't, I wasn't able, I missed some long runs or, you know, I, I actually didn't get to finish the block out the way I wanted. That hurts less than actually putting in all the time and effort and really giving it your all and not, not getting it. Right. And so it's almost a protective, I think it's a pr way that we protect ourselves to not actually, well, I didn't actually try. So agree with that statement hundred percent. And though, though on the mental side, those would be the things I would encourage. Refine your purpose and really think about those affirmations that are going to help elevate those positive voices. Cause I know you believe, and that may be a very small percentage, but I know you believe otherwise the goal wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be talking to me about it. Okay. Before we talk about the physical side of the equation, I want to talk about my other sponsor for this episode, BetterHelp. They are the largest online therapy provider. I've been working with them most recently on advice related to parenting. Again, no crisis in our home, but definitely learning how to manage teenage behaviors. And so getting counsel and advice on that. I've also worked with therapists in the past to help grieve a close friend who I lost back in the summer of 2019. I think there's three things about therapy that are tough for many of us to overcome. There's the stigma of it, thinking that there's something wrong with us if we're seeking therapy. I can assure you that's not something to worry about. It's a sign of strength from my perspective to seek help, to seek advice, regardless of the challenges, challenges that you might be facing. And then the other two things Convenience and cost are really where BetterHelp comes in because it's a cost-effective platform that allows you to see someone virtually right in the comfort of your home if you prefer or anywhere else that's a safe and easy place for you. So 
go check it out. You can learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash running rogue. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash running rogue. Again, to get 10% off your first month. So go check it out. Okay, let's get back to it with Brooke. Okay, so let's talk about the physical side of the equation. I mean, one thing to recognize here is that you're still very new to this game, right? Yes. Our Your aerobic development journey is just beginning, truly. So if you want to keep getting faster in this sport, you probably have 10, 15 years to do so. Maybe more. Who knows? So we don't have to be in a rush yeah. at all. But you say that. But I feel like I am because I'm, I mean, I'm about to be 38. So. <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm 43, Brooke. Come on. But I mean, you're like, oh, how many more years of, of running? I mean, I hope to run forever, but how many years of running do I have where before your body says, okay, this is, it's time to start thinking about other goals. I don't know. You, um, you can't know. And therefore, it's not worth letting that thought even have any power because we just can't know. And and I would say in general, the thing we can know that as a coach I see all the time, especially for those that get into running later in life, is that you can continue to improve oftentimes for a very long time, well beyond, you know, the traditional definitions of limitations. I mean, I have a runner that, well, I mean, she was on this podcast, Jean Rigotti. I'm going to have her back on. She was on with Kara Goucher, I don't know, five years or so ago. So I'll have to go look up the episode, but 58 years old, just ran a four second PR on a, in the marathon on a terribly warm Houston day (laughs) this past weekend. So still doing it. And I remember having a conversation with Jean at Boston last year because she was there and and she was talking to me about the fact that you know maybe she needs to let go of bigger goals because she's getting older and all these things and I just said no Jean no we have the evidence from your training from your race results you haven't gotten that PR but we've seen that it's still in you it's still there all you have to do is keep taking swing keep committing to it And she did and got it by four seconds. I ran with her for a little bit at mile 25 this past weekend and gave her, you know, the final pep talk of, all right, it's time to go. Like, it's going to be close. (laughs) And I told her, I said, it doesn't matter how you feel. It just matters how you finish. And she, she crushed it and got her PR by four seconds. Right. I mean, I don't even know over the course of 26.2 miles, but at 58 years old. So again, you just never know. So there's no point in letting that ticking clock define anything about how you should train or what you can accomplish, especially for somebody who's so new to it. Yeah. Now I could argue that I'm different, Brooke, because I'm 43 and I've been training consistently for 22 years and, you know, clock's ticking maybe for me sooner than it would for you. But here I am still dreaming of big goals as well. And I'm five years older. So don't talk to me about age yet. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I do keep thinking with the kid thing they're going they're getting more 
um, independent. So I have that in my favor, though they will be getting involved in more things. So that'll pull us in other directions. But, um, you know, they can ride their bike with me now. Yeah. they, They can get out with me on easy runs and ride their bike with me. And so that makes it easier. Uh, but so that is yeah. helpful. Yeah. So forget the age thing for a minute. Let's talk yeah. about what are the components? What do you need to do in order to get this goal? And I don't want to talk sequencing or timing or anything, but what do you think you need to work on, build, develop in order to continue to take big steps towards sub three? Um, I don't know if this is talking about the I guess the physical part of it, and this may not be, be what you mean, but sleep, I don't get enough sleep. And I know that that plays, I mean, today I just had to run an easy six and I started out just feeling sluggish because I'm not, I don't get enough sleep at night. So prioritizing that is huge. Um, I've yeah. learned running, running has taught me, I don't get enough sleep, but that's completely yeah. undervalued. Um, nutrition. I don't think I probably eat enough, uh, especially carbohydrates. And it, it's just because I get busy in the day and you, I hate to say you forget to eat. That's not it. It's just, you get busy. You're like, oh, I'll do that in a second. I'll do that in a second. Um, but I'm probably not fueling, fueling properly um, for what I want to do. Uh, so those are two big things that need to become, that I need to take care of in order to actually see anything happen. Um, Yeah. And then I need a podiatrist. I have a foot issue going on. So there you go. Fair enough. But let's talk about, what about speed? Tell me about 5k PR, 10k PR. Um, So the last time I ran a a 10k, when was that? Well, I ran this past summer. It was hot. I'll put that out there as a qualifier. When was that? I think in May, I ran a 46.45 10K. It was like a 7.31. But I know I can do faster than that. I, it was, Is that your PR in theory? I, yeah, with 10K. Yeah. What about um, 5K? Uh, 5K. Uh, I don't know that I've ever, I haven't ran 5k. Is that crazy? That's, I've not, I've not done an official 5k. No, it's not crazy, but it does, it does represent an opportunity. Right. Um, I would have to look back through like my, my training to see what the fastest one. Okay. All right. Um, Okay. So to me, that's a big one. Well, we're, I'm making a list. We're going to go back through these in turn, but okay. big opportunity area, speed faster over the short stuff, because ultimately, you know, you need to be running roughly, you know, an 18, 35 K 38, 30, 10 K. These are rough numbers. A one twenty five half marathon. Yeah. You know, these are numbers that would translate to or close to it. These are numbers that would translate to, okay, if I can do that, I have the tools to go run a 652 marathon. 
And the faster you can run the short stuff, the faster you can run the long stuff, you're not going to get this goal if you just keep going marathon to marathon. So that's the flag. I don't like that stuff. I don't. I know. Do you want the goal or not? I do. I do. But I'm being honest. I don't like 5Ks. I don't like 10. I remember in May when I ran that 10K thinking this sucks and I hate it. I would rather be running a half marathon right now. Yeah. Running a 10K in May sucks anyway. (laughs) But in in Houston or or, in the South. But but anyway, but yeah, but sure. I get it. I understand why we hate it. Mostly we hate it because we were afraid of it and we're unfamiliar with it. And it hurts in a way that we're on, that we're not used to. So, you know, it's harder to negotiate with the pain, so to speak, versus for whatever reason, us masochists prefer the pain of a marathon <laughs> to that of a 5K or 10K. Yeah. But anyway, but it's an, op- it's an opportunity area. And I promise you, you're not going to get what you want unless you spend time focusing there. Even if you don't race there, I mean, I, I still still think you need to race there, but you need to be, have dedicated blocks of training that are geared towards the speed that you would need to run those times because otherwise you're going to end up plateauing. You're going to, you're going to become limited in the marathon by how fast you can run shorter stuff. Mm-hmm. And at, at the age of 38, before you start to lose your fast twitch muscles <laughs> in your 40s, we really need to make sure those things are staying alive and developed because once you lose fast twitch, it goes away. Yeah. Okay. So speed is another thing. The other thing I would talk to you about is miles, mm-hmm. volume. Where's your volume been? Give me peak weekly volume in any of your marathon blocks. Can I look back? Sure. And my phone really quickly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. November, October, 40, 41. 41 so miles a week. For Indy, for Indy, I topped out, I think, at 41. But that wasn't, I don't think that was the plan because I missed some long runs. Yep. So um, that was Indy. And then for Houston, I see a 48. Okay. Yeah. And I see two 48s for Houston. And and that that block obviously went much better to plan. So that's. Yep. Yep. Which, you know, 48's great. A lot of that's a lot of miles per week. A lot of people can do great marathons on that at that level. But if you want to get sub three, it's going to take more. You know, not all at once or not right away. And, you know, I think when your kid, when all your kids are five or older, it becomes a different sweet spot of, of parenting in terms of being able to get out and do miles. But I'm going to submit that you're probably going to need to be training in the 60 to 65 mile week range at some point, not right away, but at some point in order to have the aerobic foundation to go with the speed that we need to develop in order to put those two things together to go run sub three. Mm-hmm. So being able to, over the course of training blocks, think about how you're going to methodically do that in a way that keeps you healthy, that's sustainable, where sometimes maybe you're focused more on the volume than you are on the outcome of a race, for example. So that's another thing we got to think about and layer in. Let's 
then the last major area, I mean, you covered two good ones in sleep and nutrition. The other, the only other area I would check in on would be strength. Yeah. What do we do there? Um, for Indy, I was actually two days a week doing strength. Um, I had a trainer, I was doing that. And as you know, trainers are expensive. So now I'm trying to do it on my own. Um, because I, I don't like lifting weights. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather go, I'd rather go run I hate it. <laughs> I hate it too. two miles than go in the weight room. It's intimidating to me. It's, yep. um, I mean, I'm 5'10", so I've never been good at that stuff. I mean, I have physics are working against me. Okay. I have I long arms and long legs. I hate um, it too. Yeah. yeah. Long limbs are not good for lifting, lifting heavy as I've learned. No, no, but I know that it's necessary and it's necessary to keep me healthy. And so I don't injure myself. Um, but right now I found a plan and it's like two to three times a week in the gym, like 30 minutes each time. Yep. That makes it a little less daunting. Um, yep. cause again, time is of the essence for me. Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at this stage, two times a week, 30 minutes at a time, given that you're so far away from what I think your potential is, it's probably, we don't need to, I don't think you need to necessarily worry too much about the contents of what that looks like. You know, it should be a program that's generally focused on performance and not vanity, right? Because <laughs> there are certain, there are differences. Yeah. So it should be generally focused in that direction, but I don't necessarily think you need to level that up or okay. worry about leveling that up too much at this stage. I would prioritize based on this conversation, the other things that we've talked about. And even before the two you listed, I would prioritize speed and miles. Okay. Because, yeah, we can always be better at sleep. Believe me, I know I'm the worst. The worst. I have been the worst. I've done very good training on being bad at sleeping. But I have embraced the nap. That's been one of the key secret ingredients for me is being willing to take naps when I can. So I was actually talking about a funny aside, interesting New Year's resolution with my wife. She has an aura ring and tracks her sleep. I used to, but no longer wear it. So she got an annual report on her sleep that said she took 70 naps in 2022. <laughs> and I'm like, I wish I knew that number for me. I, I don't because I, I don't wear the ring anymore, but I wish I knew that number because how cool would that be to actually track naps yeah. and use that as a metric for performance because right. it is, it matters. Yeah. So that may be something to think about in that department is just squeezing in naps, oh, adding nice. naps because it all counts. And, you know, sleep science would tell us that sure, consistent, you know, eight hours of sleep at night is optimal more so than six plus a nap or seven plus a nap. But naps do matter. They do make a difference in closing the gap. So finding ways to squeeze it in when you can is ultimately going to be important, but I still wouldn't prioritize that over yeah. over some of the other things at this stage because, you know, it is what it is at some level. And yes, you have to make sure you're balancing it all. Yeah. But, you know, you're, you're probably never going to get to a place 
where you're thinking, okay, my sleep is perfect, <laughs> right? Never. You're never, not with three kids. I know how that is. Yeah. <laughs> but you can make it better. And yeah. one of the ways to make it better is being willing to embrace the nap. So, so let's, let's talk about miles and speed first. Okay. Because, you know, I talk about it a lot on this podcast. You probably heard me say it. We have, if we're marathoners, we have to work the other distances. Have you ever trained for a half marathon and tried to peak there? So when I, tr when I ran, um, the bluebell half in 2021, I would say that was me focusing on a half, but ever since then, it's always been, if I run a half, it's in preparation for right. the pole. What's your so half I, PR? Um, it is one, 138.58. And that was in 2022. Okay. And, and Blue Bell again in Brenner. Yeah. So again, I mean, we got to work that down towards closer to 125. And here's, here's the thing that I always have to remind people, you know, if you're training for a half, you're training for a 5k or 10k, people want to tell me, well, I'm going to lose like my marathon fitness or something. Mm -hmm. Wrong way to think about it. No. Those things, if the marathon's ultimately your goal, are training you for the marathon. And you're going to take a faster, shorter path to your best marathoning self if you're willing to take time away from the marathon and actually train for shorter stuff with a focus. I was talking to another athlete this week with a, 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 an athlete who's a chronic marathoner. And, and I asked her, I said, what if you didn't run a marathon in 2023. <laughs> and it was like her mind was going to explode. And I understand that mentality. And I'm not telling you that as a prescription. What's that? That sounds, that sounds terrible. <laughs> if, it, I, enjoy, I enjoy the training. I enjoy the grind. Of, of yeah. Okay. Well, grind. we can get that without yeah. racing a marathon. Okay. Because marathons are highly disruptive. And I'm not telling you that's the answer for you this year. What I'm saying is that over the, like, if you were to think about an 18, 24 month plan in pencil, mm -hmm. and, I, and I do believe it has to be correlated with what races are available to you and what's exciting for you, especially, you know, I'm sure Houston area races are easier for you with, with mm -hmm. family and travel and all that. You need to be thinking about, over the next 18 to 24 months, you know, how can I get a dedicated speed block in where I'm training specifically for a 5k or 10k or maybe a 5k and a 10k that will allow me to flex the speed into the range and work on paces there that I've never worked on so that it will contribute to my ability to run faster or efficiently over slower paces for the marathon. And I would be also thinking about, okay, well, what's a block of training where I could do dedicated to the half where I could take a big chunk out of that 138 PR. Right. And sure, if you want to do a marathon as well, fine. But, you know, I would want you to just be thinking about at least 18 months and have one of each of those blocks of training in those 18 months. One half, one speed, one marathon so that you can start to assemble because here's the deal if you keep going marathon to marathon to marathon you're not going to get there 
Like I will be as bold to say, I don't think you can get three with that approach. You can continue to improve and who knows exactly how high you can go, but at some point you're going to plateau because you're going to bump up against the limits of your speed. And we have to make sure we're developing the full end of the range so that you have the whole toolkit available to you when it comes to closing out 26.2 miles running faster than 650. Right. Right. You haven't even run that for a half marathon. No. So would you recommend, given that I live in South Texas, time of year and weather and heat, humidity, would the summertime be a good idea when to look into training for those, the focusing on those shorter distances? It can be, I think it, you know, ultimately the weather is for you, unfortunately. So it, that comes down to more training tolerance than anything, but I I still think it comes back to when are the races, you know, if there's good five K's and 10 K's in Houston in September, October, I know there's a good half in Houston end of October. Yeah. You know, I would be, I would build it around those ideas and concepts. You know, I know for, for us in Texas, typically our racing season is like September to, you know, March, April, maybe, but really the meat of it's going to fall October to February because that's when the months are cooler. Mm-hmm. And I know in Houston, they've, you've got some great 10 Ks in the late winter, early spring, the rodeo run, Bay yeah. City Classic. Those races would be great for speed, which might mean not training for a winter marathon and focusing on crushing those. So, you know, if we were to, we were to pencil in a plan, it'd be like, well, what if I train for Boston? Cause we're going to go do that. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to have a good experience. We're going to get the benefit of this training block. Mm -hmm. And I might submit that I'm less concerned about your result in Boston and more concerned about could you build consistent volume that was in the fifties, low fifties maybe, but in the fifties for Boston so that the emphasis for this block is volume and you might actually pull back on some of the speed so that you can sustain the volume, but get your body used to that because my selfish goal for people with Boston is to not have a too specific a goal and to go in and actually enjoy it. So we can take some pressure off the time and we can say, Hey, I want to actually focus on base and foundation and volume this block, build that to Boston, reset, recover, then start a October half training block to do the Houston half where you're trying to take as much off that 138 as possible, recover from that, then go into a speed block for February, March to hit maybe both of those 10 K's in Houston. And then, you know, do what you need to do for a few months, reset, recover, start a May marathon cycle for 2024 fall. So that you can really go take a big bite out of 334. Yeah. I mean, if I were to, if I were to, to give you a plan, that's what I would give you. But like that's me in a vacuum saying something. So you, you have to buy in and agree, but that would be one potential example framed around the races that are available in your area that I think would allow you to work all the different systems, tie it to races that are going to be close and easy for you 
that are going to help you take these big jumps because again, you're not going to do it unless you're willing to step away to these other races. Yeah. Well, and that's why I asked about the weather, the weather question, because marathon season for us in Texas is usually that winter time of year. So if I'm not going to just taking that into account, if that makes yeah. sense, like how to, what that would look like in the next 18 to 24 months after Boston um, to get me back into the marathon season the next time I picked it back up. Right. And if you wanted to get really bold, you could do all 24 half, then Houston 25, (laughs) which would be really crazy, but I'm not going to ask you to go that far. What did the the 24, what did you say? The 20? I said Houston 25 for Houston Marathon 25. Oh, yeah. Because basically end of next year, you know, so that way you're, you're getting to do the bulk of marathon training in better weather and right. you do another half in the fall of yeah. next year. But, you know, but that's ultimately, again, your homework. You know, we've talked about some mental homework. Now this is the, the physical homework of, okay, you know, true North is sub three. This is why I want it. Everything else is cool, but doesn't matter like that. So you have to frame your work around that ultimately if you want to really give yourself a shot versus being able to have excuses it's like did i do what it takes and by the way along the way through this journey hopefully we can gradually creep up the mileage a little bit so that even in a half cycle you're doing 50 plus you know maybe even over time upper 50s and then maybe 60s when we get back to the marathon you know we need to continue to think about how that layers in without doing too much at one time to push you to injury and obviously you got to balance schedules and kids and family and life and all that but that's the other thing to layer in over the top is how can that gradually progress or at least how could I optimize the volume in a way within a week that might give me the benefits of that even if I can't necessarily get the total miles so medium long run for example you know what's your typical medium long run medium long run Oh, right now well, I'm running 10 this Saturday, um, but like you mean like a midweek during the week. Yep. During the week. So like, um, yesterday I ran under just a little under eight, seven, I think seven and a half. Yep. And that's probably about, I think one time I did 10 on a Tuesday, but usually that's about it. I'm going yep. to have to start getting up earlier. Yeah. My I mean, I would want. And whether it's t- distance or, or time even, mm-hmm. I would want, you know, as you start to build volume, start to crank out consistent 10-mile medium long runs. Yeah. We get so much bang for the buck out of the last three to four miles of those longer efforts. It's not linear. Aerobic development is not linear, right? right. A four-mile run plus a four-mile run does not equal an eight-mile run because you're getting exponential benefit from the later miles once the system gets going and is warm. So as we think about this volume story, that midweek medium long run becomes a big part of the equation. The long runs are going to be there. And even if you're training for the half or a 10K, I mean, I'll have people doing 12 to 14 mile long runs for a 10K, 16 to 18 sometimes for a half. You're still going to have that long run there. And that's something we give space for naturally. It also keeps us connected to the marathon. 
but that midweek 10 miler, maybe even sometimes up to 12 miles in a marathon cycle gives us so much more bang for the buck than you can get by adding miles anywhere else. Yeah, I haven't done, I haven't been doing that. There's the occasional 10, but usually it's, it hasn't been that. And that goes back, like I said, I'm, if I'm going to make this work, I've got to come up with a way to make my, to get my schedule more consistent. Uh, I'm gonna have to wake up earlier in the morning. Is what I've got to make it work. <laughs> I know that's hard. Yeah, right I now I do a lot of my runs like on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. That's the day. Those are days when I have some chunk of time where my kids are all in school, and so mm-hmm. it's nice that I can. I don't have to get up and run on those days in the mornings. I can go in the afternoon, but then it starts to get warm and just all the other things. And yep. it's just better to run in the morning I think you know you get it you're going to get it done as the day starts to creep along the chances of making that run happen get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer yep and then you're home with everybody in the evenings and it gets really hard oh I know I'm a night owl who has to do it in the morning because that's the only way yeah so you know so that's something to think about and again each chunk you know the what I would encourage you to do as you think about that 18, 24 month period is you don't have to do it all at once. Like we're not talking, I mean, we're talking about a long-term journey here. We're not talking about everything all at once. We're talking about phasing it so that we can layer in these pieces one at a time. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect or that everything's going to always go upwards. But if you can give yourself an emphasis in each chunk of time that builds towards the goal, then it allows you to know where the trade-offs can come. So for example, you know, if this Boston block is about volume, that's where the emphasis is, perhaps. If the speed track is about speed, then maybe in that track you can trade off a little bit on volume. Obviously, you want the routine and you want it to be whatever you can get it to be, but but it might be about working the faster end of the range and you're there trading off speed for volume a little bit so that you you get some balance. And then other blocks, it might be different, right? You have to kind of look at that each time and know what's the most important thing right now. You know, for me in the last year, it's been about speed and strength building towards this 240 goal where I know I've lost my ability, at least temporarily, to hold long, sustained, you know, marathon pace. Like I don't have that skill set right now because I haven't been working it. Mm-hmm. Because when I had to make a decision, I prioritized speed or strength. And each block, you're going to have those kind of priorities. And then that frames your ability to make decisions around trade-offs and training and trade-offs with time and and balance. So, you know, and then also just know that it's never going to be perfect. Never. And it's just a matter of what can I do today to take that next logical step forward? It will come if I keep taking small steps. Um, I, I struggle with that because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So when things start to go off plan, um, that mentally really can get in my way. I had a, when I was, when I did a, I did a half, um, the Houston half actually, and I ran Bluebell at 138, and I just knew I was going to do better the next at, at Houston because there were no hills. 
And it ended up being kind of a warmer day. And I, I, after that race, I called my mom and I cried. And I was like, why am I putting in all this effort if I'm not going to get any better? And, um, but I have a tendency when things don't go perfectly to plan to kind of crumble under that. And then I have to pick myself up and move on, obviously. But that mentally can be really hard for me when the workout that day doesn't go according. It's like, well, how on earth am I going to run a three hour marathon when I can't get through a workout on a Tuesday, a five mile, you know? Yep. Um, I get it. I get it. And that may be where you need another affirmation that might just simply be do what you can today. Right. Something simple to just snap you into do what I can today because it's not always going to be perfect. In fact, more often than not, it may not be perfect Mm -hmm. with three kids. I know how it is. So there, there could be some mental work there. I want to quickly touch on, I know we're running out of time because you got to go pick up your kids, but quickly want to touch on nutrition. I think it's a note, but I would still consider it a relative footnote. Yes, you have to fuel. I would encourage you to focus on the window, the most important windows, at least in terms of prioritizing that piece. I mean, yes, you have to fuel enough all the time to do what we do. But the most important windows, the prioritized windows where you want to make sure you're not rushing to the next and, and, and getting what you need is post-quality workout, post-long run. Yeah. Those windows after hard work where your body is literally looking for the raw materials to repair itself and is in that moment more equipped to absorb it than ever because it is in that mode of looking for it. You have to make sure that within an hour to an hour and a half after a quality workout in a long run, you're getting a filling balanced macronutrient balanced meal so that your body can build itself back up. So those two windows, you got to make sure you prioritize the other windows. I get it. You do what you can, you survive, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, in, if we're focusing on the things that matter, I would highlight those two areas. Yeah. I'm not doing a very good job at that. (laughs) So, but the good news is we're identifying, but all these things are going to matter, right? Not all at once, but they're all going to matter. And again, I want to, I want to encourage you not to walk away from this overwhelmed <laughs> if at all possible taking, i've been taking notes and fortunately you'll be able to listen back to it if you yeah, can it's a lot. but you know these are things that you want to write down and then start to plan all right how do these pieces fit together you don't have to dress them all at once pick one or two things at a time to focus on and then start to build a routine around that and then layer in more things as you go but, but these are the things that are going to matter. For the physical aspect, though, it's the speed and more miles that need the focus. Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotta, we've got to train for shorter stuff. And over time, in a smart way, you have to be at a higher volume if you want to get this goal. Yeah. I don't know. I can't tell you what that threshold is. You know, because we, we can only run as, mo- as many miles as we can recover from. Mm-hmm. But I do know, given your early development from aerobic standpoint, that that's, you want the best shot at this. And that's definitely a big component of it. Of course, it's got to be more easy miles, 
We're not talking about adding fast miles. We're talking about adding easy miles paired with blocks of training where the workouts are focused on speed, as you know about my overall philosophy. But but yes, more miles. What what would you say would be a true easy pace for me? Well, I mean, let's just use a round number. So eight minute miles is 330, right? Let's assume that's where you are roughly now, somewhere near there. Well, nine minute miles are slower. One minute slower than that or slower, oftentimes two minutes slower than that on recovery days. So nine minutes plus on those easy days for now. And that may evolve over time, but look, I'm a 245 marathoner who still runs a lot of nine minute mile runs or slower because, you know, some, some parts of that never change because you develop the aerobic system in a massive range of paces. Mm -hmm. And most of us aren't willing to hang out on the slower end of that range because our ego gets in the way or we think it's uncomfortable. But if you're willing to do that, then that's the key to staying healthy along the way, to building the aerobic system in the right way, to unlocking your ability to do more volume. And I get it. People say, well, time, time, time. I don't have enough time. Like, yeah. Okay, fine. We'll forget the mileage for a second. Just run whatever time you have at that effort because accumulating blocks of work, time blocks of work at that effort are going to do more than running too fast just to get in a number of miles. Yeah. That's, um, I was writing down some goals for this block going into Boston, getting ready for Boston. And that was one of my big goals was making sure that I'm running easy runs, truly easy, keeping it at that pace. And usually what gets in my way is time. I'm trying to cram in a run and fit it in. And so then I'm not able to actually run it at a 9.30 or 9.45. And so that's one of the things I'm focusing on is keeping those easy runs easy. And also it is an ego thing. You're like, oh. Yeah, no, I get it. Strava. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. but yeah, always, always think about, okay, how much time do I have? Run the pace. That's right. Let the miles be what they are yeah. in those cases. I mean, certainly speed workouts are different, but, but on the easy runs, that's sometimes the way you got to think about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I've done the past few weeks, I've done a good job of that and just listening to my body okay, today, this is what feels truly easy. Like, be honest with yourself. Does this feel easy right now? No, you need to slow down. Um, so that and then really being consistent and not moving my schedule around. Like I'm supposed to be off tomorrow and I almost moved today's to tomorrow, like swapped. I'm like, no, don't do that. Right. And it's set up this way. That's right. That's there right. There's a reason. Like, Yes, seize the day. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I know you got to go get your kids. Yeah. I really appreciate this conversation. I think I've given you a lot to think about. I would also encourage you, because I'm not your coach, to talk to your coach about it and (laughs) start to plan that out. But my final message is you can do this 100%. It will take planning and working some of the things that we've talked about in order to get there. But I believe, so you've got at least one in your corner and I suspect thousands of others who will listen. So be encouraged by that. Thank you for having me on. I hope, um, I hope, uh, I hope people stuck with it and listened. I hope I wasn't too boring, but um, yeah, if anyone's listening and 
wants to set a big goal, go for it and speak it out loud to a stranger you just met. That day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never know where it'll take you. Yeah. Who who would have thought that you would be here after that? But here you are. And I appreciate the willingness to share and be open about it because that's terrifying. I know. Oh, when you messaged me, Heath and I were watching TV, you know, got the office in the background. He's scrolling and working. I'm scrolling. And I go, Heath, I've been asked to be on a podcast. And he goes, you? <laughs> you don't mean it in an ugly way at all. Like I would have right. responded the same way, but it's like, you like yeah, our, our boring suburban life, but um, I was well, excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. And truly everybody's story is inspiring. So I know people will, will love to hear this and be inspired by your journey. So thanks again for sharing and we'll all be following along and I'm here to help. Just let me know what I can do. Thank you. Thank you. Truly. And thanks to Brooke for joining. Thanks to all of you for listening. You can now be in her corner on the path to this goal. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.